Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. Ellenbecker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. We also have a location in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building. We're right across the street from Winkies. So if you'd ever like to stop in and see our offices, feel free to do so. If you'd also like to put a face with a voice, you can check out our webpage at www.ellenbecker.com. Com. Today, my guest is Sandra Geisler, and Sandra has uh, worked with Ellen Becker Investment Group for well over a decade or two, actually, <laughs> and uh, we've worked very close together. But I'm excited about today's show because it's the first time that Sandra and I are having a conversation since she joined Ellen Becker Investment Group as the Director of Tax Planning Services. So I'm sure many of you listeners out there have a lot of questions on how the tax reform is going to affect you personally. And Sandra and I would like to talk quite a bit today about not only the tax reform, but the difference between tax planning and tax preparation, and really the importance of understanding changes and being able to identify planning opportunities. Because there's a lot of information out there. Every time you open the newspaper or turn on the TV, something is being said about the tax reform. And we've worked really closely with our clients already this year, and we're continuing to work closely to identify some strategies and to take time to really understand how each of those changes are going to affect you personally. So today we're going to spend some time talking about uh, tax reform and we'll take a quick break and when we return I will introduce you to Sandra. Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And before the break today, I shared with you uh, my guest, who is Sandra Geisler. She is now uh, works 100% with Ellenbecker Investment Group and our employees, as well as all of our clients, as the director of tax planning services. And recently, I had been asked, you know, why would we um, need that role full time? And this was even before tax reform. So now I don't get asked as often because, of course, tax reform is fairly complicated and, and you know, we can see a, a strong need for tax planning. But really when we work from a financial planning perspective and we sit down with our clients and we talk about investments and we, we talk about fees and performance and everything that goes into kind of the overall growth of your portfolio, taxes is sometimes not always focused on as much as as it could be because taxes ultimately is, has a huge impact on the longevity of your assets. And so when we develop portfolios, we always want to understand how the money is going to be taxed when you spend it and how we can strategize on a portfolio to mitigate some of those tax consequences. And the planning piece is so important because when we're talking about tax strategizing and tax savings, many times 
homes, we're talking about double digit numbers. And, you know, we're talking about going from a 15% bracket to a 25% bracket. And there's a lot that needs to be considered with distribution planning when you're in retirement, but there's also a lot to be considered when you're accumulating assets. And the earlier we can start to make some tax modifications and focus on taxes, the better we have um, that longevity piece. And we can certainly make the money last longer when we can plan appropriately for taxes. So about a year ago or so, Sandra and I started talking really about what it would look like to have a division of Ellen Becker Investment Group focused on tax planning. Uh, many accountants, and we work with several accountants, and all of you who have accountants out there as well, look at it from a tax preparation standpoint. And of course, preparing your taxes is very important. Making sure that it's done accurately and efficiently and on time uh, is, is, is necessary. But there's so much more that goes into taxes uh, besides just the preparation part. And, and that's why Sandra joined Ellen Becker Investment Group, to help us with the planning component of taxes and, and help us overall look at the impact that taxes have on our clients' financial plan. So that's really where I, I think it's a big differentiator. We're excited to have Sandra on, on our team, and, and we're going to be working and talking many times throughout the year on tax planning as well as preparation. If you'd like to put a face with a voice, you can look up Sandra and I online. You can uh, read more about you know what we're talking about from a tax preparation and planning standpoint, as well as you can always find access to our newsletters online at ellenbecker.com. So with that, Sandra, welcome. Thank you, Julie. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me on the show today, and thank you for making me part of the Ellen Becker team. Well, you're welcome. I see we've probably had close to 10 shows together over the years, and so our listeners should not be surprised by hearing you um, on the microphone again. But, you know, there's so many things that that we've been talking about over the, the time that we've worked together, but more specifically, even just as we've started to work on the same client base together and really service our clients together, one of the, the big pieces of course, that has come up lately is the tax reform. We knew it was coming, uh, but we weren't sure exactly how it was going to unfold. We didn't know exactly what was going to take place with some of those changes, but now we do. And I know that uh, there were many, many changes, and maybe you can start telling our listeners a little bit about some of the major changes. And hopefully throughout this radio show today, we can talk about some of the major changes, talk about some of the smaller changes, and then also look at the overall impact it has on people for financial planning, and then, of course, tax preparation as well. So maybe start to share with us some of the major changes that you are recognizing taking place in, in 2018, and then we can go from there. That sounds great. Uh, sounds like a good place to start. Uh, this is probably the most significant tax changes that we've seen in the last 30 years. So there's a lot of them. Uh, I'm going to give you sort of the major ones today because, unfortunately, we don't have enough time to really expand um, on all of the changes that we're going to see. Um, but a couple things that are really key and sort of sort of general in nature. So the uh, Tax Reform 2018 uh, is actually known as the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So we're going to hear it called that. We're going to hear it called GOP tax reform. We're going to hear it called Trump tax cuts. All of those things kind of mean the same thing. It's all the changes that we're going to see in effect for 2018. Um, one of the things to keep in mind that's really important is that these tax changes are temporary. So virtually all of the tax changes are taking effect in 2018, but they sunset at the end of 2025. 
So we're going to have lots of discussions as we get closer to that. But that's an important consideration when we're talking about tax planning and estate planning and, and charitable giving planning and all of those kinds of things, knowing that those are sort of temporary, at least at this point. Um, I also just wanted to point out, too, that this was really comprehensive tax reform. And so due to the number of changes and some of the new concepts introduced in the law, um, there's going to be a need for some guidance from the IRS. So some of the things that we're going to talk about today are really going to need to be clarified. Um, and so I'm hoping that maybe you can have me back on in four or five or six months after tax season, and we can talk about in a little bit more detail some of those changes. Um, but let's just dig into some of the really big things that we're going to see. In general, uh, things are good. I, I really want to let people know that most people are going to see tax reduction with regard to these tax changes. Um, the Tax Policy Institute is estimating that about 91% of the total population is going to get a reduction in taxes. Uh, so that means that there's 9% that are going to pay a little bit more, but overall, really, the majority of taxpayers, especially in the lower to middle incomes, are definitely going to see a reduction in taxes. So the first thing we want to look at are the tax brackets themselves. So the tax brackets are really the ranges of income and the associated tax rates. So we still have seven tax brackets. That didn't change, but the rates themselves have been reduced. So, for example, what used to be our 15% bracket is now a 12% bracket. Our 25% is now a 22 bracket. Um, so in general, uh, all of those things have changed. There's only one tax bracket that went up. Um, if you file jointly and your income is between about 400 or 425,000, uh, your old rate was 33% and the new rate is 35%. But other than that, all of the other brackets were reduced. The second major thing that we're going to look at is the nearly doubling of the standard deduction. So for 2018, the amounts that we'll be able to use as standard deductions are $12,000 for single filers, $18,000 for head of household filers, and for those who file jointly with their spouse, you'll get a standard deduction of $24,000. Those are pretty significant increases, and what that's going to do is going to cause more people to take a standard deduction as opposed to the itemized deductions. We're going to talk a little bit maybe in the next segment about the major changes we're going to see to the itemized deductions. Uh, most of those are going to um, uh, also have an effect on people taking a standard deduction because that's going to be uh, more tax generous for most people going forward. But from a broad perspective, it's pretty fair to say that we're going to see a lot more people just taking the standard deduction and Absolutely. not itemizing. Yes. And, you know, we heard so many times about how this is supposed to simplify things. <laughs> and I think that some of the questions are that, you know, we don't have less brackets. It still seems fairly complex. But what I'm recognizing based on our conversations with clients is that many more people are going to take just advantage of the standard deduction. And so it will be simplified for many more people. I think the law provides simplification in a few areas by eliminating many of the tax provisions. Um, but as you'll see, we added some complexities as well. So right. we're not filing on a postcard not just Not quite yet. on a postcard, <laughs> and you still have a very busy job. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know what? Even, even if tax preparation becomes simple, tax planning um, is always something that is going to have value to it. And that's really the direction that I think we we took this past year with looking at the planning as being um, equally and, and actually quite even more important than Ab just the preparation. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good. 
Uh, so another thing that we want to look at with regard to tax reform um, is the uh, individual AMT. So AMT, as you'll remember, we've talked about in past shows, is the alternative minimum tax. It's sort of the parallel tax system for people in a little bit higher income brackets. So as tax preparers, we basically prepare re two returns. We look at the normal tax code, and then we look at the tax laws that are associated with AMT. We compare the two, and if you pay, you pay the, the greater amount. If the greater amount is AMT, then you're considered to be in that, um, in that income category. So what's changed, though, is that the exemption amounts that we're using for AMT are reduced, and the phase-out le levels have been significantly increased. Um, so what's going to happen is people who had been subject to AMT in the past um, perhaps will not be subject to AMT in 2018. Uh, I saw some statistic that said uh, the tax calculations with regard to revenue over the course of the seven years of these tax changes, uh, just the, the difference in AMT is going to reduce tax revenue to the government somewhere in the neighborhood of about $600 billion. So this is a pretty significant tax decrease for taxpayers. So when we talk about some of the major changes, mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be important for us to get a good handle on how this impacts us on an individual level. Absolutely. And so when you talk about the AMT and we talked about the standard deduction and the bracket changes, there are some other areas that are really important for us to continue to pay attention to as well. Yes. Um, with regard to tax planning and the changes, this is probably a good time to talk about people's withholding and their estimated tax payments. So as you're having your 2017 return prepared, please talk to your accountant or your CPA or your tax preparer about how this new law is going to impact your taxes for 2018, because there could be some pretty significant differences on how you pay your tax. Um, that's going to be an important thing that we're going to focus on this year is just making sure that people have the correct amount of withholding and the correct amount of estimated tax payments that they're making for 2018, because all the rules have changed. Uh, so that's going to be an important component for us. Do you think that, you know, from your perspective, you'll be running scenarios with new software at the same time that you're kind of finishing up people's taxes at, to have that conversation? Is that a fair expectation yes. for people to have yes. with their preparer? Yes. I think as part of your tax preparation service, um, it's really important to kind of talk to your preparer about any life changes that may be happening in 2018, you know, getting married, getting divorced, uh, having children, all of those things are going to have an impact. Um, and they really should be looking at how tax reform of 2018 is going to impact your taxes. For example, one of the things that uh, is going to have a big impact on families especially is the child tax credit was increased to $2,000 this year. Um, that's a doubling of the tax credit from prior years. So that's a pretty significant difference if you have two, three, four children that can make a pretty big difference on how much you need to withhold if you know that you're going to be getting a, you know, perhaps six or $8,000 tax credit. So let's talk before we go on to the next break about some of the deductions that were taken away. I know that, you know, the increased standard deduction is going to help people, many people simplify their taxes and maybe focus less on some of those uh, deductions. But many deductions have been taken away. And I think that that's getting a lot of attention in the media as well. And maybe you can shed some light on some of those uh, deductions that are being taken away. So the first and probably the most significant uh, reduction 
action that we're seeing with regard to how we reduce our tax liability is the elimination of the personal exemptions. So prior years for each taxpayer on your tax return plus your dependents, you received about a $4,000 reduction in tax. So for example, a family of four, we would reduce their income by about $12,000. That's pretty significant. Um, I think the increased standard deduction was meant to kind of offset that a little bit. And that certainly is an area where they looked at simplifying, Um, but we're gonna see no personal exemptions going forward in 2018. With regard to itemized deductions, we have a pretty significant amount of changes uh, that we're gonna see on our Schedule A. First of all, uh, there is no overall limitation on itemized deductions. Sometimes we refer to that as the P's limitations, but people in higher income levels had those reductions, had those deductions reduced. Um, Those have gone away now, um, which is a good thing, but what the government taketh, the government, what the government giveth, the government taketh away. So there's a lot of deductions that we're gonna see changed in addition to that. So the first thing is going to be the uh, the SALT deductions. I'm sure that you've heard that in the news a lot, the SALT. That stands for your state and local tax deduction. So that's the deduction that we used to get for the state tax that we paid either through our withholding or through estimated tax payments. Uh, Wisconsin generally doesn't have a local tax deduction, but that would be included in that as well. What's happening in 2018 with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is we're going to be bunching your state and local tax deduction plus your property tax deduction, and the maximum we'll be able to deduct is going to be $10,000. That's a pretty significant difference, especially here in Wisconsin. We're a pretty highly taxed state when it comes to property taxes, and some would say state income taxes as well. So that uh, reduction is going to be pretty significant for a lot of the tax returns that we're going to be working on. And that's also nationwide, right? It's nationwide, So, yeah. you know, we think about how we feel about having high taxes here in Wisconsin. When you look at property taxes on the coasts, right. um, I think that people will hit that $10,000 limit very, very quickly. Uh, so that takes into consideration, does that also include other, you know, properties as well? It's 10000 based 10, on 10000 is total. the total. Right. What about rental properties? So rental properties are reported on a different schedule. Okay. Um, so this, we're just talking about either your primary residence or a second home. So that's going to affect a lot of people. It's going to affect a lot of people. So you start looking at that being a $10,000 um, limitation. Um, and the other reductions that we're seeing that we're going to talk about in a minute, and you can see why so many more people are going to be taking that standard deduction. Sure. Okay, good. Let's take a quick break, and then what we'll do when we return, we'll talk about the additional loss of deductions and things that are happening, but I also want to spend a little time talking about strategizing and and what this really means for individual uh, financial plans. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And today my guest is Sandra Geisler. And Sandra is the director of tax planning services at Ellenbecker Investment Group. And I want to jump right back in uh, because I know that we have a lot to cover today as it relates to taxes. The one thing I'd like to say is that if there's other people that you would like to share this recording with, check out our webpage at ellenbecker.com. We do have podcasts available uh, for this recording. We're talking about a lot of the tax 
tax modifications and the tax changes that are in effect for 2018. But we also are talking a little bit about strategizing and planning. And we welcome your phone call and uh, would welcome the opportunity to answer any questions as they relate to you specifically. Uh, today, we're just kind of touching the surface of all of these changes. And, and hopefully, this will give you a lot of food for thought as you move into not only finalizing your 2017 tax returns, but thinking about strategizing in 2018. So welcome back, Sandra. Thank you. And, uh, you know, we, we, we just left right before the break talking about some of the, you know, deductions. You talked about the state and local taxes and how that's going to affect people. What other things do we really need to be aware of that affect a lot of people, kind of the high level approach? So another thing that we really need to look at with regard to the deductions is our home mortgage interest deduction. So that's been modified just a little bit. I don't know that it's going to hit too many people, um, but the reduction has been on the limit of acquisition indebtedness. So if you have mortgage that's greater than $750,000 going forward, the amount of the mortgage interest that you're going to be able to deduct is going to be reduced. Um, it used to be a million dollars, so they brought that down a little bit. Again, probably not going to hit too many people in Wisconsin, but uh, certainly something that you need to be aware of. One of the other things with regard to mortgage interest that will hit a lot of people in Wisconsin is home equity debt. So home equity debt going forward is no longer going to be deductible. So that includes regard, uh, your home equity line of credit or any kind of home equity loan, regardless of what you use those funds for, that is not going to be deductible going forward. In addition to that, we have our miscellaneous itemized deductions. So those were all the deductions that were sort of uh, subject to that 2% limitation. We sort of grouped those at the bottom of your Schedule A. There's a lot of those went away. And again, this is part of the simplification. Uh, so just to name a few, we've got unreimbursed employee expenses. If you previously had um, expenses that your employer didn't cover, for example, you're a salesperson and you were required to drive from client to client and your company didn't reimburse you for that, you will no longer be able to deduct those expenses. Tax preparation fees, unfortunately for us, um, are no longer going to be deductible. Um, in addition to that, um, investment advisory fees will no longer be deductible. Hobby expenses, safety deposit box rental, and legal fees relating to the production of income, all of those deductions have gone away. Um, so that's going to, again, have a pretty significant, you know, pretty significant impact on how many uh, itemized deductions we're actually going to be able to take to reduce our income. So when when are these all going to be in effect? I know some things are, you said in the beginning of the show, really going to be in effect for 2018. Are there other adjustments that are going to come into effect later? Yes, there's a couple of things. So let's just back up real quickly into 2017. So one of the things that was made retroactive, one of the few things that was made retroactive in the tax Cuts and Jobs Act was the medical expense limitation. So you'll recall that if you deducted medical expenses, they were subject to a limitation of 10% of your adjusted gross income. Uh, for 2017 and 2018, that's been reduced to 7.5%, um, but will, will be increased up to 10% in 2019. Oh, so there's only two years. Only two years of that one. Okay. Um, so there's a couple things now that are not going to take effect until 2019. A couple of the major things are uh, alimony. So previously, alimony, if you were a, an alimony payor, 
um, you were able to deduct the amount of alimony that you paid. If you were the receiver of the alimony, you had to include that as income. So for divorces um, that are made final in 2018 and beyond, starting in 2019, that will not be the case. It will not uh, be included in, in income, and it will also not be deducted um, if you're receiving it. So that's an important uh, change for 2019. The other change for 2019 is with regard to the Affordable Care Act. So currently we have a, a shared re responsibility payment, um, also known as the individual mandate. Um, and what that is, is if you do not have essential minimum health insurance coverage, you pay a penalty. Um, you will continue to pay that penalty in 2018, but it will be eliminated in 2019 for those people who don't have health insurance coverage. Wow. All I can say is I'm really glad you're part of Ellen Becker Investment Group. <laughs> That's a lot to keep track. And and really, as we talk about the overall financial plan, there are a lot of things that are important for us as financial planners to pay attention to. And there are some changes with regard to tax planning and financial planning. I'm going to talk a little bit um, at the end of this segment on you know some of the strategies that we've employed and do they employed and do they still make sense? But maybe you can talk with us about how some of the changes in this reform are affecting tax planning and financial planning strategies that we've used in the past. So minimizing taxes is all about planning ahead and knowing the rules. Um, so that's why it's so important that we're here today to share some of these things with you so that you have the knowledge, you know, that you need to make good decisions for 2018. With regard to uh, some financial planning and retirement planning and those kinds of things, I wanted to touch on a couple of points that are, uh, are happening with regard to the tax reform laws that we're talking about today. Uh, so first of all, uh, dividend and capital gains rates remain unchanged. So even though we talked about the fact that income tax rates have changed, uh, we are not really seeing any change in those capital gains rates. So, for example, we have um, the maximum top bracket for qualified dividends and capital gains is going to remain at 20%. Um, it might be interesting to note, though, that the breakpoints for how much you pay in capital gains and qualified dividends no longer follow the tax brackets for regular income tax purposes. Uh, the breakpoints are a little bit different going forward. So if you're somebody who has a lot of investment income or you have a lot of um, assets that you're looking to get rid of this year that perhaps you have some gain on, uh, that's certainly an important thing to talk with either your, your CPA or your financial advisor about. Um, when we talk about investment uh, income, we also have to talk about the net investment income tax, uh, also known as the NIIT. No change in particular to that tax. Um, you may recall that's the 3.8% tax that we pay on our investment income if our um, adjusted gross income is at certain levels. So we try as uh, tax planners uh, to try to keep people underneath that so we don't end up paying that additional 3.8% tax. Um, but we talked a little bit about the fact that um, <clears throat> we had a reduction in the state tax and the miscellaneous itemized deductions. Those also reduced net investment tax. Uh, so that's going to have a little bit of an impact. With those deductions going away for regular income tax, they're going to go away for the net investment tax as well. And so although the rate the, itself didn't go up, we're going to see liability increase for that net investment tax. So that's an important consideration that we're going to be watching as well. 
Another thing that we want to talk about a little bit is changes to retirement planning. So there's a couple of key things that happened with the new bill that we want to talk about. First of all, effective in 2018, uh, the reconversion rules that we've been using can't be used to unwind a Roth conversion. Uh, so there's some debate on whether the 2017 Roth conversion can be recharacterized or not, um, but we certainly know going forward, um, if you change your mind, if you convert a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA, and somewhere along the way you change your mind, we used to have sort of a gimme, uh, a go back, uh, we're not going to be able to have that anymore. So we need to be really careful from a tax planning perspective uh, that we're making sure that we're sure about the amount that we want to convert in any given year. And that was a strategy that was used quite often. And this 2017 is a great example. If you did a Roth conversion in January of 2017 and you were able to lock in at a lower tax rate, we've had great market growth in 2017. The likelihood of recharacterizing it is slim. But had right. the opposite happened and we did a Roth conversion in the beginning of the year and then had a market decline, and many times our strategy, kind of our safety net, was well, we can always recharacterize it back. And now that goes away. So that's an important planning in consideration for, for advisors. Absolutely. I think one thing that we're going to see with regard to uh, Roth conversions is we're going to be doing a significant number of those later in the year as opposed to earlier in the year when we have a much better handle on exactly where income is going to come in for any given year. Um, another uh, change with regard to retirement planning has to do with 401k loans. So you may recall, or you may have even had this happen to you, if you've taken a loan from your 401k, um, and then for whatever reason you stopped making payments or you changed employers, uh, typically that was deemed then to be a distribution, um, and tax was due on whatever that outstanding loan balance was. Um, if you had the funds and you were able to roll those over, you had 60 days per the old law. Um, with the new law, um, you have uh, a rollover period that's extended to the due date of your income tax return. So it gives you a little bit more time to make good on those 401k loans. And that's something I think that's, that, that was uh, a well-needed change to the tax code um, so that people had a little bit more time to adjust to that. Good. So when we talk about the the those simple strategies, there's a lot of other strategies that I want to circle back on in terms of as a financial planner, how we look at this. Before we move on to talking about from kind of a financial planning perspective, are there any other major changes? Just touch briefly on 529 plans, because I know that, you know, that was that's kind of something that comes up quite often in our conversations with clients. Absolutely. So 529 plans prior to the new law, the distributions for those plans could only be used for qualified higher education expenses. So you can only use them for college, basically. Uh, for distributions after the end of 2017, going forward into 2018, qualified uh, higher education expenses are going to include tuition at an elementary or secondary public, private, or religious school. So that can have a huge impact for families that want to send their children to private school at the elementary or high school level. Um, if we have opportunities to start building those accounts earlier, uh, that's going to be a great strategy for not only parents, but potentially for grandparents as well. 
Exactly. That was exactly what I was writing in my in my notes here is that that's a great opportunity for grandparents. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about four or five or six strategies that people can can leave this radio show um, with and ask their accountants about when when they do their tax planning for this year. So we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And today my guest is Sandra Geisler. We have been talking about taxes. Sandra is the director of tax planning services at Ellenbecker Investment Group. You can learn more about her by either giving our office a call or checking out our webpage at ellenbecker.com. Com. There is a lot of information we're trying to talk about today, and and really in the last you know segment of this show, I would like to help our listeners identify what this means from a planning perspective, because planning is so important, and preparation is going to be complex. We know that. You know, we're encouraging you to speak with your tax preparer, or your accountant, not only reviewing your 2017 returns, but strategizing for 2018. But Sandra, as you and I work together, we spend a lot of time talking to our clients about planning and and the impact that the tax planning has on the overall longevity of your financial plan. And so as you've been talking, I've been thinking about how this affects the strategies that I use with our clients from the financial perspective. And I have a couple that I'd like to talk about, and I just interject as, as you think of things as well. But one of the questions that I'm receiving now is, does a home equity line of credit still make sense as a financial planning tool? We have almost um, often encouraged our clients to look at a home equity line of credit to serve in a couple different capacities. In some cases, it, it serves just as an emergency fund. It allows you to invest some of your liquid cash knowing that you've got that line of credit available. And I think that still does make sense in a lot of um, situations. Home equity line of credit interest used to be deductible. Of course, we learned earlier in the show that it's not now. So I think it's really important to evaluate when you use that tool. Having it as a tool makes sense. Using it as a tool really requires a little bit more thought. I think from a, a financial planning standpoint, like, as you said, it still makes a lot of sense. Unfortunately, it's not going to have the tax benefit that it used to have. But again, we're seeing with the increased standard deduction, uh, even if it would have been deductible, uh, most people would not get the tax benefit that we've gotten in the past from it. Right. And it certainly helps with distribution planning. That's another item that I think is really important for you to add on your list to talk to your financial advisor about is distribution distribution planning. With the brackets changing and with so many of these other modifications to tax law, I think it's really important to identify what type of strategies we can take advantage of, at least during these next few years while the brackets are a little bit lower. So having that home equity line of credit really helps with distribution planning. It helps with peace of mind and comfort from an emergency fund perspective, allowing you to invest your other assets. And then it would help with distribution planning so that we can take advantage of multiple tax years as we're doing those distributions. Another strategy, Sandra, that we've talked quite a bit about, and I encourage our listeners to talk to their accountant and financial planner about, is bundling some of those charitable contributions and property taxes. What does that look like? Well, I think uh, as we as we've looked at that increased standard deduction, we're going to be seeing a strategy employed a lot more going forward, and that is to sort of move all of your charitable contributions to an every other year sort of situation. So in Wisconsin, of course, we know we get our property tax bills in December. Um, we can bundle those, although the the impact of that is minimized because we are uh, limited to that ten thousand dollar limitation now. But I think for people who are charitably minded, one of the things that we're going to look at is sort of doing an every other year 
itemizing of deductions. Um, in the year that we choose to itemize the deduction, those are the years that we're going to look at making our more significant charitable contributions. So that's going to be an important consideration as you're looking forward. Uh, another thing that you mentioned that is important for people to identify is how those investment advisory fees are being paid. Many times we've strategized with our clients in the past to pay advisory fees out of an after-tax account because it was deductible on their tax return. And I think that strategy helped a lot of people in the past. And now we're learning that investment advisory fees are not deductible. And so it's important to evaluate how those are being paid. Now I would be able to argue that taking those investment advisory fees out of retirement accounts would make more sense because they don't count as a distribution. So uh, you, it's important to talk to your advisor and talk to your accountant about the best way to pay some of those advisory fees because I, that will have an impact on people's overall financial planning. We've seen so much simplification in this tax law, but from a perspective of tax planning, I think it's almost made things a little bit more complex because we sort of have to go back to the drawing board and look at some of those things that we thought were were givens. Um, and now we have to kind of relook at all of those, like the advisory fees. Where does it make sense to draw those from when we're not getting a tax benefit? Right. And it's important. Sometimes I don't even think people know exactly what the options are. So it's really important to talk with your uh, CPA and with your financial advisor on how some of these changes affect you individually. Reviewing withholding, you mentioned that in the beginning. It's really important to do that. I think it's hard for people to do in this first quarter until their tax return is done. But I know we've got our, our docket is very full to talk with clients after the April 15th and after your 2017 taxes are done to identify what changes to withholding uh, should we employ for, for the rest of the year. The IRS has uh, published the new withholding tables, um, and what they've done is they've taken into consideration the tax law changes that we've been talking about for 2018. Most of those are going to be employed early in February. So either your first or second paycheck in February, most people if they haven't changed anything with regard to their um, exemptions or their allowances on their W-4, most people are going to see an increase in their net pay starting in February. Okay. All right. And then uh, 529 plans, we talked briefly on that. I think just to highlight that that's a really important thing to put on your list to evaluate. If you if you have grandchildren or children and you do anticipate them using um, a private elementary or middle school, that's a really great planning opportunity to discuss with your financial advisor. There were two other pieces, Sandra, that we did not get to. Um, and so maybe you can touch on the estate tax and the gifting tax in the last uh, minute or so that we have left. Absolutely. So the estate tax exemption has been increased significantly. In fact, it has been doubled. Uh, so for 2018, if you should pass away, uh, $11.2 million of your estate is exempt from estate tax. Um, if you're filing um, jointly, if you have a spouse and you're uh, opting for portability, that's even uh, doubled. So we'd be looking at a $22.4 million exemption. So uh, one of the things, though, that I want to point out is just because we have these increased exemption rates, it doesn't mean that we don't need to do estate planning, even if your wealth falls below those exemption levels. Still a really important consideration with regard to any estate planning that we do. 
right? Very few people are really going to be affected with the state tax going forward. Uh, and so that does change some of the original reason people plan their estate plans. But you're right, there's a lot of other important considerations. And then real quick, the gift tax annual exclusion for 2018 has been increased till $15,000. So each individual can give uh, basically an infinite number of gifts up to that $15,000 level without any gift filing tax considerations. Okay, so unfortunately, we're just about out of time. I know we got through a lot of different um, variables that go into not only the planning, uh, but also the tax preparation. And I really encourage our listeners out there to spend time this year getting organized. Take 2018 to be the year where you not only understand your tax implications, but you work with a professional on the overall planning. We do have a tax seminar that is going to be available to the public scheduled after taxes are due um, on April 24th from 3 to 5 p.m. Check out our webpage and feel free to sign up through there. Um, But also feel free to give me a call or give Sandra a call and we'll happily help you identify some planning strategies that might work for you. Um, As always, we hope that we have made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Enjoy your day. Your EIG Wealth Advisor can help you control risk, make sure your estate plan is in order, and help you understand your financial plan during retirement. But we can't control one of the largest drains on your portfolio during retirement. That's your health. For that, we'd like to share expert cooking tips and health wisdom from a local expert, Chef Michael Fecker. So stay tuned. Hello, my friends. This is your personal chef, Michael Fecker. As you know, I am a big fan of you guys not slaving in the kitchen when you're cooking, especially for a group of friends. We tend to spend a lot of time in the kitchen and stress, and that's when cooking becomes a chore and is not fun anymore. So I wanted to share a few techniques that may, would like make your life a little bit easier and allow you to be ready for the production of the flavors by putting them together a little bit in advance and just warming them up or finishing them at the end. One of the things that I constantly refer to is blanching. You know, a lot of times on my TV shows, radios, or my cooking classes, blanching. Of course, in my individual cooking classes, I can show you exactly what it is, but I'm going to do exactly the same today, and I'm going to try my best so you walk this entire um, details with me. Pay good attention. Blanching is when we take an ingredient and through the boiling process, we boil it very little and then we finish it later. What does that mean? Imagine asparagus. You like your asparagus grilled. We blanch it the night before or a few days in advance in some salted water for 45 seconds and you will see your asparagus are going to come out beautiful and green and still crunchy. What have you just done? What you have done is you have opened the pores of those asparagus, allowed the seasoned water penetrate within the structure of the ingredient, and 
add a little bit more water content to that ingredient. So when you put it on the grill the next day or a day after, what's going to happen is that water content that is now extra within the asparagus and is mainly on the surface is going to turn into steam. That steam is going to start cooking the asparagus and warming it up and giving you a beautiful char on the grill. And within a minute or two, you're ready and done. That's what blanching is all about. There is a reason that you always go to restaurants and you say, why doesn't my roasted potato turn out the same way? No matter what I do, no matter how much I spend on the best potatoes out there, it is not so much the potatoes that is doing the magic. It is the technique used in bringing those potatoes to your table that does the magic. They blanch the uh, potatoes first in the restaurant, then they roast them. I do that all the time in my restaurant. By doing so, you create a beautiful texture on the exterior, crunchy, and the inside is soft and luscious. And that's when you take a bite, you go, wait a minute, how did they do this? How can it be crispy on the outside and fluffy and airy and luscious on the inside? Blanching does that for you. Another thing that you can blanch on a regular basis is an ingredient that you all love. I know I do. Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts comes from the cabbage family, but the reason for having all these leaves one over another, it creates a beautiful, very, very dense core. And it's very difficult to cook the core correctly just by roasting it. So what you do with Brussels sprouts, you add your Brussels sprouts into salted water again the night before. You blanch them for about two minutes because they're much more dense than asparagus. You remove and you let them cool. A lot of times they tell you if you're going to blanch, you need to run ice water over your ingredients or shock them in ice water. No, just take them out a little bit earlier and let them steam cool. That way they keep their nutrients. With that said, I hope you start blanching some of your ingredients and you enjoy them more. And next week, we're going to talk about another technique that's going to make your life a little bit easier. Until then, think about me, love you, and talk to you next week. If you would like more of Chef Becker's recipes and food tips, go to ellenbecker.com and click under the resource tab.